All right. Welcome back to From Eight Arbitration. I've got a whole new microphone, a whole new setup. And so I don't know if it's going to sound better or worse or what. I've done a few little samples. And uh, so we'll see. I don't know if my microphone got damaged when I moved or what, but I just didn't like the sound quality. And somebody gave me this one a few years back. And uh, so I was like, hell, let's try it. And so I've got it set up. And you know me. I don't know anything about anything. And so hopefully this one sounds much better. Today's episode is going to be about activism. Uh, activism. A lot of people are getting involved locally in uniting and organizing and things of that nature. And uh, I've got a very special treat for you. I've got an interview coming up with a young man who, remember the name, Remember this guy's name, and I'll let him introduce himself when we interview him. But um, incredibly sharp individual from Minneapolis. This guy is on top of it, and he will be a future leader. Uh, he's been with the Postal Service five years, and he's been a steward for three. And and he's made more sense and has done more uh, to build up my belief in our union than our leaders have. Um, just talking about the belief of where we're headed and where we need to go and how we're going to get there. Things that I've been talking about for a long, long time. This guy is sharp. He's sharp, man. And uh, I was honored to have him on. And uh, so we'll talk to him in just a minute. Somebody else sent me something they wanted me to read, and I'm going to do that. And um, because I thought that it was quite impressive as well. And it's about activism. Uh, you'd see across this country a lot of unions organizing and getting out in the streets and making their opinion heard and their wants heard. And, um, and they have produced record contracts. Um, and look, whatever side you're on, I don't care. If you want more transparency, you know that's how I feel. A lot of people don't feel that way. They think the union should do whatever the hell they want to and just tell us later how it worked out. I don't like that. I don't like it. But you've got a lot of union leaders now that understand that you get things through public opinion and getting out in the streets. Now, the Postal Service has done that against us, uh, but our union leadership is scared to say anything negatively about the Postal Service. And and I know that for a fact because I've had people message me saying that when they have going to hold rallies, they were saying, hey, just don't say anything bad about the Postal Service. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. That's crazy. As a, as a union, that's crazy to me. To sit there and coddle and, like I said, be in bed with, union leader, with postal leadership. But anyway. This person sent me this, and I told them I was going to read it on air, and they said that was fine, names and all. So that's what I'm going to do. And this goes along with the episode when I talk about activism, okay? Now, next week, we're going to get back into some other things. I've got a lot of topics for uh, some salted peanuts next week, locally generated forms that are being handed out, a lot of stuff like that, and we'll talk about those things next week, Okay. And uh, I think it'll be a good episode, but today's going to be about activism and because uh, I love that uh, with especially the younger generation who get it. Uh, us old heads should get it, but unfortunately we do not. It's like most of us are just rushing to retirement and saying to hell with those that are just coming up. Uh, you can't be like that. <laughs> you can't be like that because you need to leave it better than when you found it. And we're not doing that. We're not doing that at all. But this person said, Dear Corey, my name is Sherry Butler. I'm a USPS employee of 22 years. I'm currently a custodian, and I'm going to mispronounce this. I know it. Here, Adeline, Idaho Post Office. I'm also the Associate Officers Director and Steward of the APW Inland Empire Area Local Number 338. When I first started my career back in 1994 as a city carrier in Seattle, I was proud and excited to say that I work for the United States Postal Service. In recent years, I find myself embarrassed to tell acquaintances that I work for the USPS. I still take pride in the work that I do, and I still take pride in serving the public. 
I'm just ashamed and embarrassed in the lack of integrity that USPS management and even some of our union leadership display. And I'm going to mispronounce this. Vicki Sawicki, a retired city care, turned, my, turned me on to your podcast. I love your passion and love for the city letter carrier. I resonate with so many things that you touch on during your podcast. The rampant falsification that management does makes my blood boil. The hip falsification and lack of concern for carrier safety is inexcusable. So are the falsification of employees' work hours, delayed mail, scanning, etc. Last year, I, along with other rank-and-file postal workers and community members, spoke during the public comment period of the Postal Board of Governors quarterly meetings. This 45-minute time to speak to the PBOG was our chance to voice our concerns of what is happening at the ground level. The Postal Board of Governors and DeJoy are so out of touch with what really happens at the craft employed level. They have their heads so far up their asses with their phony numbers and reports that they can't or won't see what is really going on. This past November, the PBOG decided to change their policy on giving the public time to speak after their quarterly meetings. Now the only time the public will be allowed to speak is once a year and only in person. I believe, as do many others, that the PBOG and DeJoy are trying to silence those who speak the truth. We can't and won't let them silence us. A group of rank and file postal workers have created a letter campaign and rally called We Won't Be Silenced. We are encouraging postal workers, stakeholders, and the community to write letters to the PBOG sharing their stories of what is really happening. We want to share these stories with the media in hopes that the truth will be heard across the country. We would love to have you join us in our fight to speak the truth and end the silencing. If you are interested in hearing more about this campaign, please feel free to call, text, or email me. I have been leading weekly organizing meetings via Zoom on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. and uh, 3.30 p.m. If you are interested in joining one of our Zoom meetings, I'd be happy to send you a link. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your podcast. Thank you for being you. Uh, and thank you, Sherry, for that. I really appreciate it. I have sent those links to Jeremy, and he will put those up on FermataArbitration.com. Okay? So anybody who's interested, go to FermataArbitration.com, and those links for those Zoom meetings will be on there. And I'd love to see them quadruple their attendance on those things um, based off of this podcast. I'll read this to you. She sent me an attachment. It's the, uh, I guess this is the flyer that they're handing out. It says, we won't be silenced. The Postmaster General and Postal Board of Governors are gagging the American public from speaking out about the poor postal services in our communities. PMG Lewis DeJoy, in addition to dismantling delivery service standards, is also dismantling long-established opportunities to address the ruling Board of Governors who are responsible for the postal services provided to all Americans. Stifling public comment is un-American. What do they have to hide? Why silence the voice of Americans who are about the quality of mail service, long lines, increased postage, misdelivered mail, and delayed mail? As it is, only 45 minutes was allotted for citizens to address the postal governors and voice their community's concerns. The PMG's misnomer, Delivering for America plan, has been decried for the delayed mail service, nonsensical relocation of postal operations to faraway distant cities, the post office lines are getting longer, staffing is inadequate, postage is increasing, and our community postal facilities are losing postal workers. Americans have a right to have their voice heard. Voice your protests over service and the gags. The next scheduled meeting of PMG DeJoy and the Board of Governors is February 8th of 2024. A legal protest rally is planned for the day, February 8th, 2 p.m. at USPS Headquarters, 475 Lompfont Plaza, Southwest Washington, D.C. Also, a letter writing campaign is being organized to allow all Americans to speak out about problems they are having with their post offices and mail service. We urge you to write about your issues, mail letters too. And then uh, has the thing there. We won't be silenced. P.O. Box 68, Hurley, New York, 12443. And so she had sent me that as well. Uh, there's a new day coming. Uh, there's a new day coming. 
and people are starting to understand what organized labor means and how to go about doing things. Our, the leadership of the NELC is clueless, clueless as far as how to do that. And I think they're scared for some reason of the Postal Service, of the upper echelon, because like that individual told me that uh, they say, hey, just don't say anything bad about Postal Service. Well, we're here. We're going to rally. Just don't say anything bad about the Postal Service. You see uh, PMG DeJoy at the Christmas party, you know, coming it up with us and all those things. Um, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, to me, we need hard ankles as leaders of this union. We don't have it. We have sympathizers and ass kissers as leadership of this union. And uh, it's going to take a movement unlike anything we've seen since 1970 uh, to make sure that we get this thing back on track, put new leadership in place. Uh, it will happen. It will, ha And it is happening. Uh, the, the younger generation of letter carriers are the ones who are carrying this uh, you know, when I talk about picking up the flag, they're the ones who are picking up the flag. It's the newer generation. That's the ones that are doing what we should be doing. And they're the ones picking it up. And uh, we're sitting here with our thumb up our ass wondering, you know, what's going on. And uh, But this interview that I'm fixing to have, this guy is as impressive as anybody I've talked to. Uh, he is sharp as hell and the things that they're doing up in Minneapolis. And so uh, I'm going to get to that right here and uh, plug that in, my interview with him. And then on the other side of it, I'll come back and we will talk about uh, some things and then I'll get off of here, okay? So here's my interview and I'll let him introduce himself. And then on the other side of it, I'll come back and we'll we'll finish it up, okay? All right, I've got uh, I've got a gentleman here now. I've been trying to get this guy on for quite some time. Uh, we just couldn't make it happen, but and that's my fault. So I'm gonna apologize to him right here on air. <laughs> but I'm terrible at this kind of stuff. He reached out to me. We finally got him on here. So welcome to Formate Arbitration. I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, and then I've got some questions for you, and we'll try to make this fast. All right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, um, so my name is Tyler Vassar. I've been a letter carrier at USPS for five years, and I'm a shop steward with the NELC Branch 9 uh, here in Minneapolis. And how long have you been a shop steward? Uh, I think it's actually going on three years. I got I became a shop steward pretty quick after after starting, but I've really only in the last year, year and a half, feel like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and what branch are you from? Branch 9, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, all right. Right now, I've got some things here I'm going to talk to you about. You answer freely, all, all right. right. <laughs> and you've heard me before, so I don't care what you say. But y'all got some very interesting things going on in Minneapolis that I have been following. I think y'all been in the paper, a matter of fact, right. uh, because y'all are kind of the new age get in the street type shit that I've been talking about for a long time. That I wish our union at the at the higher level would do. Y'all been doing it. And y'all have been doing a fantastic job. So Branch 9 recently passed a resolution for an opening bargaining strategy for contract negotiations. Talk to me about that. And, and what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, so at our November general membership meeting, you know, just this just a few months ago, members of Branch 9, we brought forward a resolution that I think would completely change our union's approach and our strategy when it comes to contract negotiations. In, in this resolution, we call both for more transparency from leadership during the negotiation process uh, and for our union to be clear about what our main demands are going in, you know, very basic stuff, for regular updates about the state of negotiations during the process. And most importantly, and this is key, I think for nationally coordinated public rallies to be organized at the beginning of contract negotiations as a way to mobilize and activate the membership of our, you know, of our union around the main demands that we have going into negotiations. You know, I think this would do a few things. First, I think it would help give confidence and support to our negotiating team, so they know that the membership supports what we're fighting for. Uh, I think it would win general the general public over to our side, 
you know, to show the public the realities of our working conditions, win them over and put public pressure on USPS to negotiate in good faith. You know, uh, we had a packed room at that meeting. We passed this resolution unanimously. And we think the NELC needs to start using the weight and the power of the over 200,000 city letter carriers in our union to win the contract that we deserve and that we need. I agree 100 percent. And and if you've listened to me it, 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 for any length of time, <laughs> I'm big on transparency. And yeah. I think that that's critical. I know that there are definitely different factions as far as that's concerned. If you ever look at social media, you have some that think that the NELC owes us nothing, that they don't owe us nothing, anything as far as transparency, uh, that the NELC does what the NELC does, and they'll tell us what we're going to get. And uh, I don't agree with that. I'm just one of that. I'm one of those that I think that, that the NELC should be transparent. I love what you said there. When you talk about that, I, I've talked about this also in, in past episodes about other unions. Uh, do you have any examples when you talk about getting out in the streets, rallying, making the public aware of our plight as far as our working conditions, our wages and whatever? Do you have any examples of other unions that have taken that approach? Yeah, um, you know, I think 2023 was a huge turning point for the, the labor movement more broadly in this country. You know, half a million workers went on strike in 2023. There were over 300 separate strikes across the country. Currently, you know, flight attendants, I think it's like the vast majority of flight attendants contracts are up right now. They're gearing up for a, a big fight. Pilots at United Airlines just want a 40 percent raise over a four year contract by taking a super strong strike vote enforcing you know united management to to settle we saw very uh public contract fights the writers guild of america shut down hollywood for several months the teamsters at ups i know people were really familiar with that one especially for carriers they were gearing up for a strike they used public rallies to mobilize support both of those fights ended in victories and really major gains for uh the members of those unions and most most importantly this is the one i think that most people have seen and are most motivated by is we saw the United Auto Workers, the UAW, strike at all at, at all of the big three American automakers, and they won a major victory in their contract. You know, all of these unions use public actions, whether it was an actual strike with a picket line or public rallies uh, that brought together union members, their families, and brought the broader public behind the demands of the union, brought them into the fight. And you might, you know, you might be asking, how does this apply to us? Isn't it illegal for postal workers to strike? I mean, yes, but first of all, the law always favors the bosses in this country. Labor law is very stacked against us. Anyone who's tried to do workers' comp has seen that, right? How difficult it is. I think it's, you know, regardless of your political affiliation, we know that millionaires dominate Congress, and I think it's up to working people to change things. Second, postal workers in 1970 probably heard the same thing, right? But they overcame that obstacle, and this has benefited letter carriers to this day. In Carrier Academy, at least when I when I started, NELC shows a video highlighting the importance of the 1970 strike to our identity as a union and its importance and how it transformed our union and the lives uh, of NELC members. But now we face a crisis, you know, a crisis of our of our own. Uh, I want to be clear. I think we need the right to strike. I think our union leadership should take a clear stand on this question, and we should campaign for it. Our our leadership should not use, you know, use the fact that it's illegal for us to uh, strike as justification for not doing any public action, justification for closed door negotiations and, and really weak contracts, at least as long as I've been around. So I believe that we should have the right to strike. That's a basic democratic right that we're currently denied. I think it means, you know, right now we're fighting with one hand tied behind our back. Ultimately, it's postal workers that make USPS run, right? But, you know, again, to be clear, that's a discussion, regardless of my opinion, that's a discussion and a debate I think we need to have within our union, with the entire membership. And regardless of your opinion and how you fall on that question, uh, I hope, you know, I think most people would agree we need a, a new approach. We need a fighting strategy to contract negotiations in our union, different from the one that we currently have. And, uh, you know, passing this resolution for open bargaining uh, to change the official position in, in NELC to mobilize our membership around public actions is a major step in the right direction. I like you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met you. I've never talked to you except for doing this, but 
you've done your homework, my man. That's a, that's <laughs> impressive. We need, Appreciate you've that. been here five years, you've been a shop steward three, and you sure. made more sense than our leaders when they go to these rap sessions have made <laughs> as far as the strategy, as far as what our future is going to hold, how we need to approach things. Uh, you said it better than I could ever say it. Um, <laughs> even even Vince Sombrato, you know, when they asked him about striking, we had the no strike clause then. And he said, hey, we don't have a contract. We don't have a contract. We're getting in mm -hmm. the damn streets. You know, we're mm -hmm. going to strike. I would never call for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need a different strategy. You're exactly right. I said this a long time ago. We have the same law firm doing the same shit that it's been doing as far as getting us ready for uh, collective bargaining and all that stuff somewhere down the line, we've got to get a different approach to it all. Um, I'm huge on the public. I've thought that our leaders should have got out in the streets with Mr. Gates, our brother that passed away uh, about the working conditions, because you can change the working conditions by public opinion. And so right. with that being said, do you think the general public would support us if we're calling for higher wages and better conditions? Do you think that they'd be on our side? Uh, I do. Yeah. I mean, so this came up at the at the branch nine general membership meeting back when we proposed this resolution. And I think on, on one hand, I think many people bring this up and it comes from a genuine place. I think some people use this uh, and they're using it in a nefarious way. They're using it to try to stifle debate and shut down things. But I think a lot of people, when they bring something, when they bring that up, it comes from a genuine place. And I'll tell you what I said at that meeting. I think that fundamentally we're in a new era for the labor movement. Unions have the highest support in the U.S. since the 1960s. The UAW, during their strike, had over 75 percent support during the duration of that strike. And that's across the political spectrum. That's Democrats, Republicans, independents. It doesn't matter. They had incredible support and they had very strong demands. They didn't go out there and say, please, we would like a better contract. They went out there and said they went out there calling for a 40 percent wage increase because guess who got a 40 percent rate wage increase? The CEOs. So they said, we deserve a 40% wage increase. We're the workers that made that profit. They called for an end to the two-tier wage system. They wanted to, they're fighting to re-implement their COLA, you know, their cost of living adjustment, just to name a few things. Still, the public strongly supported these workers, even while calling for pretty, I mean, you hear 40%, damn, who gets 40%, you know? <laughs> I mean, it just shows the era that we're in. We're not in the same place that we were in during the 90s or like, especially after the uh, 2008 recession where unions especially public sector unions like ours, were really effectively demonized by the media, by big business, by politicians. I mean, we were labeled as greedy. We were blamed for the, the financial crisis somehow. Um, my family has personal experience with this. My dad's plan that he worked at for almost 20 years was closed basically overnight. And he was forced to find another job during a time of uh, record unemployment. You know, uh, We almost had to move out of state to, so he could find a job. Luckily, he was able to find one, but it could have been much worse than what it was. I and you know I remember how much public sector workers were demonized and blamed for the crisis, the financial crisis that was caused by the banks. You know, like what do we have to do with this? Just because we, you know, uh, are fighting for a decent standard of living. So fundamentally, we're in a different place. Since that time, you know, we've seen the rich get a whole lot richer. We've seen the poor get a whole lot poorer. The working and the middle classes are put into an increasingly precarious position. And in you know in an increasing pre increasingly precarious world, and we saw during the pandemic. I think this is really key. We saw during the pandemic how so many workers were deemed essential and told to continue working while the rest of the world shut down. Remember that when we were essential workers, yeah. uh, you know they they gave us a nice banner that said we appreciate you or something. You know no raise nothing. We got a nice banner. I know people listening can remember you know can probably remember that quite well. Deemed essential while the rest of society shut down. And but I think. I think that had a tremendous impact on the consciousness of both essential workers and the broader public, like about the role that we have, you know, about the role that workers play in, in our society and really the unjust working conditions we're subjected to really on a daily basis. And now, especially with, you know, rising inflation, cost of living crisis, you know, how much does the average co house cost in the United States nowadays? I, I don't know. It's a lot more than it should be. I think the American public can empathize with us and our fight because many of them are dealing with the very same issues or similar issues in their workplaces and in their lives. And so, you know, when working people see other working people stand up for their rights and fight and demand a better deal, it inspires people. And I think the NELC needs to more 
effectively harness that energy and use the power of you know the hundreds of thousands of letter carriers across this country to put pressure on USPS to settle a contract with this with gains, with strong gains for letter carriers and wages and benefits and conditions. Yeah, that's funny you say that because every time I see one of our and to me anybody that's in organized labor is a brother or sister to me. Right. I don't care what you do, uh, mm -hmm. but when I see the Teamsters, UPS, and I see, you know, auto, auto workers and all those, I'm hoping that they get rich. I hope they get $100 an hour. That's how I feel. Because, you know, organized labor, I, I think it's coming back, uh, first off. Unfortunately, when you look at our union and you see, uh, when you read things that I've read to people and they're saying that union leaders are coming saying, we don't want to talk about the Postal Service. You know, we're just going to do this. We don't want to ruffle any feathers, you know, because they will come back on us. We don't want them to look unfavorably on us. So what do you say to those NELC members, even those in the upper echelon, because they're listening. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they're listening, Brother Prime, who think that this could backfire. What do you say to them? The, it, that doing public actions could backfire? Yeah. I, I just I think that I think that sort of reasoning and that sort of logic that's being used, it's from a previous era. It comes from a time when people, you know, like I said, demons were or unions were effectively demonized and people were afraid, you know, uh, the PATCO strike, for example, in one fell swoop, you know, Reagan was able to fire all, you know, however many tens of thousands of air traffic controls across the country that had a real chilling effect on the labor movement. And it created, I think, a whole generation of labor leaders who thought that the best the best strategy was to be cautious and not stick your neck out too far and just go along to get along and it created a logic of its own i think that i think that logic is a dead end and we're seeing that now where you have workers across the country who are facing you know terrible conditions and are fed up and want to fight but we still have a leadership i mean you know i we we have, take the NLC for example we have a leadership who are still sticking to that old strategy. And I don't think it works in this in this era that we're in right now for many, many reasons. And regardless of, of our, our leadership as individuals, I'm not gonna make any character assessments. I don't know any of them personally. It doesn't really matter to me. The strategy that they're putting forward is a dead end. And I think we need a new approach and a new strategy. So I would just tell them, look around, listen to Sean Fain, listen to the president of the UAW, we're in a new era. And if you're not gonna come along with us and lead, then I think ultimately, like you've said many times, we need a we need a new leadership. We need a new approach, you know. And I think you got a, you got an option. You can stay in leadership if you take up this fight. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be an interesting year. You know, you know the convention and uh, leadership elections coming up. Did I say I liked you earlier, Tom? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging that, brother. All right, I'm gonna give you a second to talk about this. Branch Nine, y'all hosted a contract rally last spring. Talk to me about that. Tell everybody about that. Yeah, so last year, um, you know, a group of us in, in Branch Nine, you know, really a handful of us, we were talking. We saw that our union nationally did not have a strategy to win a strong contract as contract negotiations, you know, were beginning, as the process was starting. We decided, you know, we got together. We decided we, we needed to do something. We couldn't wait around and hope that something happened and we wanted to, you know, get things going. So we organized uh, to bring out as many members as possible to the last year's February general membership meeting. And we, we passed a resolution for a public contract rally. And that was a hell of a fight. You know, we had a packed room, uh, you know, the leadership at the time of Branch 9 opposed it and they got all the big guns out, you know, and they all came out, the business agent came out and opposed it and the state, you know, whatever. And, and but we had enough rank and file members there and we made a good enough argument that we were able to pass the the resolution pretty resoundingly. The demands of our of our rally, you know, because um, we had a we passed the resolution for a public contract rally. The demands of our rally, which we printed on picket signs, were end mandatory overtime, first class service, first class pay, fair contract now, and staffing, safety, service. You know, the idea was to highlight that the staffing crisis at USPS was directly connected to the working conditions. That in order to provide quality service, you know, to keep new hires and maintain a healthy workforce, we needed better wages. We needed an end to mandatory overtime, you know, uh, and ultimately this would come from 
NELC winning a strong contract that addressed these issues and turned a letter carrier job back into a decent job that allowed our members to work and live with dignity. You know, um, I want to be clear, though, we argued from the beginning that a rally in Minneapolis alone wouldn't be enough to change the strength of our bargaining position, but that we needed a sort of nationally coordinated approach. You know, just imagine the impact of rallies of letter carriers, our families, public supporters, other unions in every city across the country. I mean, that would get that. Talk about media coverage. That would get media coverage. And one thing, you know, as long as we're on that topic, one thing about these enough is enough rallies, because, you know, we had one in Minneapolis recently, is one thing about them is they have gotten a lot of media coverage. Our rally, our enough is enough rally in Minneapolis made the front page of the local newspaper, the main newspaper, played on the radio for a couple of days, every local news station. And now I don't want to minimize the seriousness of assaults against carriers on the street. That's very serious. And it's right to publicize that and call for safety on the job. I think everyone deserves to be to be safe at work, to feel safe at work. But I think the NELC missed a very real opportunity to link the need for safety on the street to the need and the right to safety on the workroom floor in the face of attacks from management, right? You've talked about this. Every day, management breaks the contract at stations across the country. Every day, management overburdens letter carriers with forced overtime pressures letter carriers to work faster, you know, harasses letter carriers for stationary events and this, that, and the third. Actions like these are what killed our union brother, Mr. Gates, down in Texas during the, you know, the biggest heat wave this country's seen in years and years. And so for these enough is enough rallies to be the, as effective as they could be for us to mobilize the most NELC members behind a sort of broader program for safety on the streets and in the stations, I think these rallies would need to include some of the issues I just mentioned, issues that we could actually win in a contract. You know, we could win in a contract and end to mandatory overtime. Higher wages so workers can, can work eight and go home and not be out delivering after dark. And, uh, you know, and for our union to put up a real fight against attacks from management. Like, I'm all for publicizing and fighting back and, uh, you know, defending our, our members' right to safety on the streets. We, we have to connect that to safety um, in the workplace, on the workroom floor, in the face of these attacks from management. Yeah, all of that I love, every bit of it. I think that to me, when we talk about that, um, I'm asking how you measure the success of, of public action like that. But and you probably just answered that. But um, working conditions, I don't think the public understands what we go through. I don't think the public. Well, I know they don't. When you talk about management on the workroom floor, when I talk about uh, when I become business agent, the first thing I want to address are those managers like that. I think that one of the biggest issues we have is noncompliance mm -hmm. uh, with signed grievance settlements. You know, um, you talk about staffing and all those things. I, I do believe that the public has, will have a say so in that. When we talk about, you know, Congress getting involved down there with our brother, Mr. Gates. I think that awareness brings that along. And um, so to Tyler, how would you measure the success of that? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a very good question. Um, I think that can be looked at internally and externally, right? So internally within our union, I think within our union, we can, a success of an action like this would be doing things like this would activate the membership around a strong, you know, on strong demands that really speak to the needs of letter carriers. I don't think it would be enough to go out there and just, you know, say fair contract now, or please, can we have a nice contract? I mean, we absolutely should say that, but we should include, I'm not saying that we have a whole assign with a hundred bullet points on it. I'm saying we should be out there and have three or four main demands that speak to the biggest issues that face letter carriers, right? To galvanize the membership, get them organized around a fight back. The most popular picket sign at our, uh, rally last spring in branch nine here in Minneapolis was end mandatory overtime. That one we ran out of, we should have made more of those ones because everyone, you know, people are just getting killed out there on a daily basis. It's a meat grinder. There's a reason we can't keep people. We just we put them out there for 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week, sometimes more, you know? Uh, and so by putting forward strong demands, I think it shows the NELC members that our union means business, that our union is here to fight for our rights and fight for gains for us, you know, um, in terms of externally, I think by winning the general public to our side, publicizing, exposing the often brutal working conditions so many carriers 
are subjected to on a daily basis on the workroom floor, you know, um, by demand, you know, by demanding that our rights are respected and do we deserve a strong contract that addresses our main issues, we can win those people over. When I tell people that, like just kind of talking about what you were just saying, when I tell people that one of the biggest issues at USPS is mandatory overtime with carriers working 10, 12 hours a day, sometimes six days a week, their, their eyes pop out of their heads. You know, I, I had people go, is that legal? <laughs> mandatory yeah. overtime, is that legal? Well, if it's in a contract, it's legal. And that's why it should be taken out, you know, um, by publicizing our working conditions and demanding better treatment. I think we can win the public to our side, show them, you know, we deserve better and we, we deserve better. And that's another way that we can provide better service. You know, I, I want to do my job well. And if I am supported and have decent conditions, I can do my job better. I think one other couple other things is this can also be measured by winning other unions to our cause. You know, a lot of workers are facing these similar issues. And, um, you know, we can start to build the connections and the solidarity with other unions that we need to win a stronger contract for ourselves and um, build those connections that can strengthen the overall labor movement in the years to come. Um, and like I said before, you know, Ultimately, this would give confidence to our bargaining team by, and put pressure on USPS to sign a, a strong contract, you know, with, with our union. I mean, just imagine organized rallies in every city and town across the country where we have an NELC branch with picket signs with our main demands and slogans on them. You better believe our negotiators would be walking into that negotiating room with their heads up high, knowing they have the strength and the confidence of the hundreds of thousands of NELC members, our families, our supporters behind them. I mean, come on, can you imagine how much better that would feel than walking in and, you know, shaking hands with the postmaster and hoping for the best? <laughs> I put my bet on the, you know, mobilization of our union rather than the, the latter. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that our leader would go there and apologize to the postmaster about what we were doing. Uh, I don't have any... <laughs> any faith in him whatsoever to go in there and, and uh, but that that's just me that's just me <laughs> but uh do you have a podcast no i do not you need to get one i would listen to it <laughs> you're very you're very educated you've done your homework i like that so when you talk about impact when you talk about getting in the streets when you talk about these rallies and and every city which i, I think should happen i do what impact do you think public actions could have on our membership and our ability to grow as a union? I think um, as a union, we need to constantly be looking for ways to engage and activate our membership. You know, uh, we need to win over the rank and file of our union to, to a strategy and approach uh, about, of, about fighting for our rights, you know. Not just mm -hmm. not just on to, to fight to win grievances on the shop on the workroom floor, which is important, but also in a national sense and a national strategy to win a strong contract uh, and fight back against attacks from management. You know, we need to give the rank and file confidence in our leadership and our union. We also need to be looking for ways to develop and build the next generation of leaders in our union, right? From the stewards to local leadership to national leadership, every position in between. You know. Um, Unfortunately, not everyone can make it to a weeknight meeting, especially with the long hours a lot of carriers are working. Many NELC members, unfortunately, probably don't see the point. We need to change that. We need to always be looking for creative ways to engage as many members of our union as possible. I truly believe that big, well-organized public actions that show management we're ready to fight for a strong contract, you know, to address our needs, uh, would engage an entire layer of our union who's currently not active, maybe don't even, right. not even paying attention. And it would show them it's it's worth it to get involved and become an active member of the union, you know? Yeah. All right. I've got, I'm a cheapskate. I don't know anything about Zoom or anything like that. You've had to tell me everything. It just popped up. So we got eight more minutes. So I want, I want to ask you a couple more things. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. How do you think we can run this resolution at the convention? So, I mean, we need as many branches as possible to pass the same resolution. I mean, we can put a copy, I'll send it to you. We can put a copy of the resolution up on the aid arbitration website. All you need right. to do is change the part where it says NELC branch nine to whatever your branch number is, right? Because then when the booklet with resolutions uh, is printed for the August, 2024 national convention, it'll show beneath this resolution, we'll have a list of all the branches that support it. I mean, imagine the impact of, uh, of that it would have. It's not just this resolution, NELC branch nine, but it shows this resolution you know, supported by NELC branch nine and lists half a dozen, a dozen or more branches, you know, um, I think it would send it it'd be a lot easier to force it to go to discussion, debate and vote. 
Um, so I would encourage anyone listening to pass this resolution so that we can go into the convention this August ready to do it. Uh, where to begin? So I, I want to invite people out this next, this coming Sunday, January 28th, uh, rank and file members of the NALC branch nine, NALC members across the country. We're going to be holding a national Zoom organizing meeting so this this Sunday, January 28th at noon central time. You know, so that's 10, what, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time about how we can fight to get this resolution passed in as many branches as possible and how we can use the 2024 National Convention to really start the process of transforming our union into a fighting fighting union, a militant union, as you say, Corey, you know. Oh, yeah. um, and so, yeah, I, I would say go, come come to that meeting. Or that's that's the place you want to come. We're going to talk about how we passed it, why we think the convention is important and why everyone should pass this resolution. Um, but yeah, just for the sake of time, I'll, I'll end it there. I would just encourage people to come out to that. But you're a sharp individual, my man, and uh, our union is lucky to have you, really. I mean, I've heard about you. I've heard uh, great things. Uh, different people have messaged me, tell me I need to get you on here. And, and it's not because of you. It's because of me. I suck. And, uh, and I'm <laughs> okay. terrible at these things. And I'm praying to God that when I end this, I don't screw this up. So uh, because this is my whole episode right here. But um, Tyler, we got six minutes. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to say before we get off here? And I'll have you back on before Boston. Uh, before Appreciate we go that. there, I'll, I'll make sure that I, now that I know how to do this, if I don't screw this up, you got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got 550 now. Anything else you want to say before we go? Yeah, I'll just say, I mean, there's, we, you know, there's been discussions with, you know, Branch 9 members of a whole series of things that we want to bring to the convention. We're not going to bring 100 things. You know, we want to be serious and, and focus on three, two, three, four different resolutions that we think could really play an impact. So there will be more things to talk about, more things we can organize around nationally. But, um, you know, just want to reiterate, if you want to build a fighting militant NELC, register, you know, click, I will send Corey uh, to put up on the ADA arbitration website, a link to register to the, attend the Zoom organizing meeting this coming Sunday, January 28th at noon central time um, to talk about all this stuff. But I just got one last point I want to make. I think, like I said, we're in a new era for the labor movement. 2023 saw big national strikes that showed the power that working class people have when we get organized, right, and fight. Workers at corporate giants <laughs> like Starbucks and Amazon are getting organized. You know, they're in the beginning stages, including Really importantly, right now, I think the most exciting union drive in the country, which is at Amazon's main air hub in northern Kentucky, it's at a facility called the KCVG Air Hub. Workers there are getting, have been organizing over the past year for a union. They're fighting for $30 an hour starting wage, 180 hours PTO, union re uh, representation at disciplinary meetings, just to name a few of their demands, and are preparing to file for an election, a union election in the next uh, month or two. They're going up against one of the most vicious anti-union corporations at one of Amazon's most important facilities to their whole national you know, logistics network, which Amazon calls the Death Star. I'm not kidding. They call this facility the Death Star because that's how important it is to their whole network. And I give those examples just to say, once again, we're in a new era. The old way of doing things have, has shown to be a failure for working people. And I think working people are hungry for change. We have the ability to transform the NELC, but it will take a fight. One of the many wonderful things that this podcast shows is that there are NELC members across the country who are ready for that fight. Yeah. So I'll yeah. end it there. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. I, this hey, my man, let great. me tell you, we're, we're a better union because of you, my man. You're impressive <laughs> as hell. Uh, seriously. And uh, I'll have you back on. We got three minutes, so I'm going to cut out of here. I love you, my man. I really do. I <laughs> I thank you, you for man. everything you're doing for us, our people across this country, and uh, the things that you're doing, the stuff that you are doing that started up there, everybody's talking about. And so you should be proud of that. And uh, it will pay dividends down the road, I assure you that. So until I talk to you again, my man, you take care of yourself. You be safe out there in right, Minneapolis you, with y'all's two degrees, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Yeah, All right, you. brother. Take care, Take care man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So there's the interview with Tyler. I told you, that guy's as impressive as anybody I've talked to. That dude is sharp as hell. 
And I wish he had a podcast. I'd listen to it. I don't listen to podcasts, but I would listen to his. I think he is the homework that he's done coming on here, extremely bright, extremely intelligent. And I love his passion. Five years he's been with the Postal Service, three years as a steward. Just think if our business agents had that passion. Think if our union leaders had that passion. One of the things he was talking about with Amazon and them going against uh, some people that are dead set against the union, union busters. Uh, I know that um, my brother, Mr. Cariff, and I hadn't talked about him in a while, but we still talk. I know that um, somebody told me that he had told the upper echelon of the union, look, make a position. Make a position in the NELC for organizers, one or two positions, and have those people go to these type of things, to Amazon, to help them organize. Now, people that understand organizing, have a position like that. And uh, in that way, these people, their full-time job will be going out organizing, helping people organize like Amazon, Starbucks, all these places that are, that are new and may not understand it as well, how to organize, what you need to do. And um, that idea was shot down by our union leadership. Now, this union is as rich as any union as you can believe. Uh, they they have more money than they will ever be able to spend. Uh, these constant pre-arb sessions save them so much money. Um, and so you had an opportunity to put somebody like Mike Kariff in a position Somebody who is a great orator, who's, who can speak well, who can get people organized and uh, educated. And we said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, instead, we're going to have people's, you know, folk come up here and work uh, that have never delivered a piece of mail. We're going to have nepotism running crazy up here, running rampant. Uh, more positions at the NELC than ever before, but we want we won't spend money on uh, organizing and helping others organize because it helps the NELC. It helps us to have more unions. It, it does. It really does. Uh, the more unions, the better. I wish everybody was unionized. I wish every company was unionized in the country because it helps us. And so you had a, an individual like Mister Kara saying, "Hey." Make a job. Let me go out and do that. Give me somebody else. Let us go and help people organize. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to. We're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to sit over here and drink our Dom Perignon with the postmaster and uh, fuck everybody else organizing and everything like that. Um, it, it pisses me off because you had an, an opportunity to help others organize based off of some of our brightest minds, and uh, they said, no, that's for another day. That's for another day. When we get new leadership in here, hopefully that will change, and we will understand that it's not all about us, that helping others helps us, right? But again, thank you to Tyler. Man, impressive dude. That dude is extremely sharp. Um, I'm hoping that this episode sounds all right. Like I said, I got my new microphone set up here. It looks like it's doing okay, um, but I can't tell until I download it, unfortunately, and y'all hear it for the first time. So, But uh, let's get on Discord, okay? Let's get on Discord. Uh, numbers are growing like crazy on Discord, all right? Let's get on Reddit. Reddit's numbers are growing like crazy. And, and I love those things because... It's constant education. They talk about other things as well. They have a good time on there, but constant education, grievance stuff going on there, and uh, that's what I love. At the end of it all, uh, I love educating and helping. And a lot of people send me things uh, that they're winning based off of episodes that we've done, and um, I think that education is, is the, the beginning, the starting point of your union. It's educating your members. Uh, it's not about being rich. It's not about how big a parties you can throw. It's not about getting out in the streets and uh, hobnobbing with uh, postal management. That's not what it's about. It's about educating your members. 
And I believe if our business agents would uh, make that a priority, you would see a different union. You would see a different union. If they would educate your B team members on how things are going to be done, you'd see a different union. If you educated your branch presidents and told them this is how we're going to fight, and if you're not going to fight, I will put people in place that will fight, uh, you would see a different union. If you educated your members, you would see a different union. If your shop stewards educated themselves, you would see a different union. And unfortunately, we are lazy. We're fat and lazy as a union in our business agents' positions in the upper echelon. We're fat and lazy, and our union is showing that. We're in a terrible way right now, a terrible way. And um, so, with that being said, <laughs> that's your job. <laughs> that's it. Uh, anyway, Reddit and Discord, get on there. Get your shirt. Make sure you're buying your shirts. Those are doing really well. Uh, Jeremy sends me a report on those. Those are doing really well. Get on there and get your shirts because I'd like to give a good check to MDA. All right, and everybody that goes there. And we have to sell a huge quantity to even make any money. So get on uh, Reddit. Get on Discord. Get your shirts next week. I'm going to talk about uh, some things. Some are pleasant, some are not. And uh, some things that have chapped my ass uh, this week. I'll talk about them next week, okay? And uh, things that I'm going to change when I'm business agent. Things that I'm going to change as far as, as us being cowardly and some things that have come up that have really chapped my ass this week. Okay, so there you have it. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed Tyler. That dude was sharp as hell. And I'll definitely have him back on. Sharp dude, man. And so y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. Looks like we're getting out from under all this snow. It has crippled us here in Nashville. And uh, hopefully we're fixing to get out from underneath it, get back to delivering some mail. And so y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. I love each and every one of you. I really do. And uh, I'll talk to y'all next Sunday. All right?